Hello and welcome to another episode of the Intelligent Transport Podcast. Now we've been gone for a few months, but in that time we've set up a really insightful program of episodes for you to enjoy. And that begins right here with Bruce McBean, the City of London Corporation's Assistant Director, who you can find speaking at MOVE 2020 in February. Before we begin, a bit of background for those unfamiliar with the City of London Corporation. The corporation is specifically responsible for governing London's financial district and historic centre, more commonly known as the Square Mile, and sometimes even just as the City. I'll be discussing policies and aims within the Square Mile with Bruce, reflecting on how these can impact and influence policy throughout Greater London as well. So without further ado, let's get started. Bruce, thanks so much for joining me on today's pod. Uh, It would be great just to get a brief introduction to who you are and your role at the City of London Corporation before we delve into the conversation properly. Uh, Sure. So um, I am the uh, Acting Assistant Director for City Transportation at the City of London Corporation. I've been at the corporation for two and a half years now. Um, I joined from Transport for London uh, and I joined to write... Uh, or lead the team that wrote the City of London's new transport strategy, which which was adopted uh, in May uh, last year. Uh, And I guess how I ended up here was um, I've had a career for uh, almost 20 years now uh, working in the built environment and trying to make cities better places to live. Uh, And over the years, I've realised that transport is, you know, one of the most important factors in terms of quality of life in the city uh, and the experience of being in the city. So I've gradually kind of transitions to a focus on transport uh, and a focus to how we can make our streets uh, better places in particular to walk and also to cycle and spend time on as well. Yeah that's great and I think that career-wise working to improve the city experience for people is a really worthy aspiration Um, you know kind of working to improve the lives of literally thousands of people by making streets safer and making urban spaces generally more livable. So um, with that in mind, could you just run us through some of the City Corporation's primary goals for mobility at the moment? So as as I mentioned, uh, we adopted a new transport strategy in uh, May last year, uh, and that sets out our vision um, and objectives for the future of the city's streets, which is mostly the part of transport that we're uh, interested in and can influence. And I guess what's interesting, perhaps to start with the vision, uh, is it starts with uh, streets that inspire and delight. Um, and I think just to kind of unpick that, I suppose we we want as you know a global financial district to be known uh, around the world, I guess, as somewhere that has great streets uh, and is doing all of it all it can to um, uh, make the experience of using those streets uh, as enjoyable as possible. Uh, and and I suppose it's, it's, it's almost a cliched thing to kind of talk about is this kind of, you know, uh, footloose uh, global um, workforce. But I think it's, it's true, certainly in the kind of sectors that we have uh, in the city of London, finance, insurance, uh, increasingly uh, tech uh, as well. Is there are lots of people there who can choose to work uh, anywhere in the UK or anywhere in the world. And one of the things that might be a factor in them deciding where they want to work is what the experience uh, spending time in that place uh, is like uh, and and you know our, our streets are our public realm uh, here and so making that experience as enjoy- enjoyable as possible uh, will hopefully 
help uh, ensure that the city remains a great place to work and attracts the talent uh, that it needs and of course a great place to live uh, and to visit uh, as well. Um, so it's all about the day-to-day -day experience of the street um, and, and um, at its most basic level I guess making sure that people's journey from uh, the underground station to their desk uh, as enjoyable as possible and gets them off to a good start uh, to the day and a good end to it on their way uh, home as well. So how are we going to achieve that? Uh, I suppose in terms of our objectives is we want to make sure that um, we give as much priority as possible to people walking. 90% of uh, on-street journeys start or finish uh, in the City of London are walked. So obviously if we can improve the walking experience we'll improve um, uh, things as much as possible for the half a million people who, who commute into the city to work uh, every day. Um, to do that, we need to provide more space for people walking, which means reallocating space uh, from motor vehicles. So we also want to uh, reduce the number of motor vehicles uh, on our streets and our target is to, uh, over the next 25 years, which is the lifetime of the strategy, to reduce the number of motor vehicles on our streets by uh, 50%. Uh, which might sound ambitious, but is actually what's happened over the last 20 years or so uh, in the City of London, all while the city uh, has grown. So we think it's uh, possible, albeit it'll be quite challenging uh, to do that. And we also want to make sure that our streets are safe. So we've adopted uh, Vision Zero, saying that it's not acceptable or inevitable that people will be killed or seriously injured uh, on our streets. And we'll do everything we can uh, to make sure that that uh, doesn't happen. Uh, we've got quite ambitious air quality targets, as you'd expect. Uh, and I think as well, uh, we really want to make sure that our transport system and London's transport system and our streets are accessible uh, to everybody uh, and that everyone feels comfortable and confident uh, traveling on our streets. Absolutely. And I suppose those kinds of goals and initiatives deliver all people want, really. And I think the point you make about improving the experience from getting off the underground and into the office is really valid. Um, people maybe don't realise the impact that that small part of their day can have on their overall mood and productivity. Now, I was wondering while you were speaking just then uh, about the huge need to improve the ability for people to walk and cycle. Uh, and it got me thinking about a potentially detrimental effect on public transport ridership if those methods of getting from A to B become almost uh, I suppose, too effective, uh, as has been seen somewhere like Copenhagen, for example. Are there any vague concerns around this? Yeah, I'm not sure it's a huge concern uh, at the moment for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I think even uh, TfL, who of course you know rely on uh, fair revenue as part of their funding, um, acknowledge and know and are trying to address the overcrowding on uh, London's uh, public transport network, uh, particularly sure. the underground, but also um, rail and some bus routes uh, as well. So, you know, a bit of a, a bit of relief uh, there would not necessarily be a, a bad thing. Um, but I think the other thing is, is that the, this isn't just about switching the people that we have from one mode to another. It's about the fact that the, the city in London as a whole is growing uh, and so, you know, some of those new people who move into London or, or start working in the city of London or elsewhere um, travel by, some of those will travel by public transport, while some people will switch off public transport to walking or cycling. 
um, and uh, and so you know it's it's a kind of growing uh, customer base for all modes, uh, really. So I, d I don't think it's going to have a huge issue. And of course, you know, m most people who cycle, even on a regular basis, like myself, will occasionally use uh, public transport uh, as well. So I don't think it's a big concern at the moment. Uh, and I think it's just the way that cities are are going, and and, and you know perhaps transport authorities like Transport London are recognising that they're not just public transport providers now, um, but that they uh, they also need to uh, facilitate and enable um, uh, active travel, walking and cycling uh, too. Sure, that makes sense. So next, I want to touch on strategy, and you've already mentioned the city's transport strategy, which launched last year. Um, but how much overlap is there between the city corporation's strategy and London's wider policy goals? Uh, so, for example, looking to City Hall, uh, and you've mentioned the road to zero that the mayor is championing as well. Um, I imagine there must be a lot of overlap because everyone is kind of working towards a greater good. Uh, and it's not as though these are the types of policies that anyone could logically be against. Yeah. Um, well, there has to be overlap because... Uh, uh... Partly, we are uh, obliged to help the mayor uh, deliver his own uh, transport goals as set out in the mayor's transport strategy. Um, but I think, you know, the, the bigger picture is there's overlap, overlap because we're all trying to achieve uh, the same thing, which is encouraging and enabling as many people as possible to choose sustainable and uh, space efficient, uh, which is a big you know, big challenge, uh, modes of transport, so walking, cycling, and public transport. And we all share the same aspirations around things like reducing um, collisions on our streets and improving uh, air quality. So, you know, they're very much definitely complementary uh, strategies. We uh, perhaps go a little bit further in some of our aspirations and the pace at which we'd like to see uh, some of the, um, uh, the outcomes uh, delivered. But I think that's more reflective of, um, of the kind of unique nature and context of the city. And obviously, the mayor's transport strategy has to be a, a strategy for the whole of London, which not only includes uh, central London, but um, much less uh, um, dense uh, and much um, more residential areas in outer London and those kinds of things uh, as well. So, yeah, it's a really good fit between the two. Um, uh, definitely shared aspirations and we you know work very closely with the mayor and tfl and the gla to to deliver what we're trying to deliver uh, and what they're trying to uh, achieve as well sure sure now uh, one thing you mentioned there was space efficiency which kind of brings me on to the next thing i wanted to ask about how important is it to keep transport and urban planning tied together especially given the pace of continued urbanization of a city like london um, as you say, there are new people coming to the city every day. It's, uh, it, it's a huge challenge. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. And it's something that we, um, we do as much as, as possible. And actually, when we were drafting the transport strategy, we uh, very deliberately uh, aligned the publication of our draft and the consultation on that with the publication uh, of our draft uh, city plan, which is the local plan. Um, for the City of London. Um, and that's recognising that intimate link between planning and transport. Um, and the main reason that actually we wrote, this is the first time that the City of London corporations had a long-term transport strategy. And the real 
uh, reason for producing that now is because the city is growing um, our planners are uh, enabling that growth through their uh, policies um, and we have to enable uh, and accommodate that growth by changing the way that our streets uh, work as well and, and quite radically changing uh, the way they, that they work so of course you know planning determines how much the city will grow uh, by uh, and we uh, respond to that and make sure that we provide um, a safe and easy way for people to get around and um, I think the other connection as well is is not just at the strategy uh, the strategic level but also at the kind of um, development control level as well so some of the things that we um, are doing through the strategy such as reducing the number of freight and delivery vehicles through consolidation so um, getting deliveries to a particular building or parts of the city grouped together at a depot um, outside of uh, outside of central London and bringing that in in fewer fuller uh, lorries and vans one of the ways that we encourage the uptake uh, and use of consolidation is through the planning system so every major new development um, in the city now is required to use a consolidation center uh, for their deliveries which helps build a sustainable uh, market and base for those services which which then means that they're uh, available to existing buildings and existing uh, businesses as well yeah absolutely I, I mean it's a tremendous amount of work and i think it can be easy to forget that these are challenges being faced by basically every city and region and authority across the globe you know we're, we're talking about london here but actually a very specific part of the city um, when we take a look at these issues within an international context it's no wonder really that urban mobility is so in the spotlight right now. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's um, it's one of those uh, areas that everyone's kind of, I suppose to an extent struggling with the same issues, but also having to respond to very different um, local contexts and local cultures and habits uh, and everything else. So, you know, we we look around the world all the time to see what ideas we can um, borrow from others and what inspiration we can take uh, from others uh, and how we can adapt approaches that are, are being used in different cities and apply them here uh, as well so you know when we were when we were starting to prepare the, the strategy we we went over to New York to see what they were doing and also Paris and Stockholm uh, as well so I think yeah everyone's grappling with the same challenges um, but everyone's increasingly I think getting good at uh, and better at sharing um, ideas uh, and knowledge around how we tackle those challenges. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's one of the things I've noticed about covering this sector over the last few years is that it has become a lot keener on sharing and collaborating with others. Uh, you only need to look at the number of different events out there really to get an idea of that. Uh, and I think it's only going to stand in good stead moving into the next 5, 10, uh, 15 years. Um, I suppose this does kind of bring me on to my next question as well in that the work you're doing now and the work that cities around the world are doing now isn't just with the present in mind but also the future so to what extent do you think it's possible to future-proof infrastructure for a similar level of change as we've seen in the last few years yeah i think um uh, for me the way that you future-proof things is to have a very clear idea of where you're trying to get to and why you're trying to to get there um and you know for us it's clear that that now and in the future we need to um uh, create people-centered uh, streets that do enable the kind of essential traffic that needs to get around the city like freight deliveries to get where it needs to 
um, but have a very different look and feel uh, to them now. And that's all about more space for people, more people on um, on bikes, possibly uh, in the future, more people on scooters and those kinds of other micro mobility options as well, and um, uh, fewer fewer cars and private cars in particular as part of that and much smarter ways to think about freight. So I think, you know, if that's what you want, and we all know that that's the kind of people-centered city that uh, everyone is demanding now, and I can't see that demand uh, changing in the next decade or so, then we can always be kind of clear that that's what we're trying to achieve. And if different um, innovations or um, new services or new transport modes appear, then we can make a take a view then as to whether they help us achieve that overall goal of a more people-focused city uh, or not. Um, and uh, some innovations might be appropriate for one city somewhere in the world, but won't necessarily be appropriate for a very uh, dense um, financial district like the City of London that's that's built around a um, a, a medieval uh, and in fact you know, Roman in places um, street pattern. So. You know, we, I, think, I think the way that you future-proof yourself is to just be very clear on what you're trying to achieve and why, uh, and to make sure that you don't let kind of shiny new um, gadgets and things distract you from that overall uh, goal uh, that you're trying to achieve. For sure, uh, yeah. And of course, I mean, we would be remiss not to touch on sustainability as part of this talk of future-proofing. So what kind of steps are being taken by the City of London Corporation to ensure that its growth is sustainable? And what part does transport specifically have to play in that? Yeah, well, I think the first part that transport has to play is that we are uh, blessed, uh, I think, in the, in the city with incredibly good uh, public transport links. Uh, we're one of the best connected uh, parts of city anywhere in the world, um, probably. Um, you know, we've got we, and that is uh, a legacy um, of you know Victorian investment uh, onwards, uh, and ongoing investment with things like Crossrail uh, as well. So we're a place where it's very easy for people to travel to and from uh, by sustainable ways, um, whether that's public transport or the growing numbers of people who are choosing to cycle to and from the city uh, as well. So we've got a great legacy to build on. Uh, obviously, it makes sense if you already have those great connections to um, uh, to develop uh, and make the, that place as um, as dense as, as is practicable, which is kind of what we're doing at the moment with the growth in the city and what our um, planners are trying to uh, achieve and to make sure that those new buildings as they go up are uh, as sustainable uh, and as energy efficient uh, as possible. And I think crucially are built to last uh, and aren't. Um, you know, aren't necessarily replaced on the same cycle that some of the buildings uh, have been replaced uh, in the past. Um, and then I think the other part uh, of that is is then once you're here, uh, so you can arrive by a sustainable mode, um, but is to make uh, sure that we give people, again, back to the kind of theme that we started on, um, an environment that works really well for them, is a really enjoyable place, place for them uh, to spend time, uh, and so it means that people actually kind of want to spend their time here and don't necessarily feel the need to keep trying to traveling around to other places uh, during the day or, or into the evening as well. So kind of, I guess, giving them uh, an experience um, and uh, a range of uh, activities and things that they can do here, which means that, you know, once they've traveled here, they can as much as possible kind of 
meet their needs and do what they want to do uh, in a single place without without traveling more for it uh, as well i think um the other obviously kind of really obviously the biggest issue in terms of sustainability is uh, is climate change uh, and connected to that air quality in london uh, as well um transport in the city of london actually only accounts for about seven percent of our our carbon emissions uh, which is partly a reflection of the um the you know, huge number and density of buildings that we have here um but we are trying to make sure that not only do we have uh, fewer vehicles on our streets but those that remain are as uh, as clean uh, as possible so encouraging uh, and enabling the uptake of uh, zero emission uh, capable vehicles uh, but again be very clear that that we want fewer vehicles uh, not just cleaner vehicles and that we want to make sure that those vehicles that remain are as clean as possible yeah absolutely and that again massively plays into the way that people are able to experience a city which pretty much brings us full circle um, so I think that's probably a good place to leave it for today. Bruce, thanks so much for coming on and speaking with me and for sharing those insights. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. My thanks again to Bruce for taking the time to speak with me for this episode. And a reminder that if there's anything here you want to ask Bruce about, he'll be at Move 2020. Please do join me again next time for more transport chat. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Intelligent Transport in the meantime on our website, as well as subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. I'll see you next time.